Hey, it's Stu with Bitcoin and Financial Independence. It's been probably a month since I put out a podcast and I've really fallen out of the habit. So I'm going to try, that's one of my goals for 2024 is to try and put out 10 episodes per quarter. So happy new year, happy 2024. Today is January 10th, 2024, which is the same day that Hal Finney posted on Twitter running Bitcoin 15 years ago. Hal Finney was the first person to receive a Bitcoin transaction from Satoshi Nakamoto. He was an early believer and adopter of the Bitcoin network, and he was quite involved early on. He has since passed away from ALS, and I recently did a running challenge um, his wife puts on every year around this time to do about a half marathon, either in one run or in multiple runs, the, the equivalent of a half marathon, and donate to try and do some more research and funding for ALS. So. Really great cause there. I was glad to participate in that. But it is kind of a crazy day. I'm going to try to keep it relatively short. So much has happened in the last month alone. We've got the Bitcoin ETFs coming probably today. Yesterday, the Securities and Exchange Commission posted an announcement saying that it was approved. But then moments later, Gary Gensler, the chair of the SEC, posted on his own account that their account was compromised. Twitter confirmed this. They did not have two factor authentication despite. Gary Gensler himself issuing a warning just a few months ago that everyone should secure their accounts with two-factor authentication, yet the government does not. And there's all sorts of funny memes and a bunch of ironies there. I believe over $200 million of leveraged traders were wiped out from when the announcement went up to when it was announced that it was taken down. Bitcoin price shot up to 48 k down to 44 k and now it's stabilized around 45 46 k so really just hilarious and shows more of the government incompetence. And now that they have inadvertently manipulated the market, it seems like the SEC needs to investigate themselves. And there are calls from senators and other politicians for this to happen. So really just a, a clown show all around. Um, but the ETF will unlock Bitcoin in a lot of places where money is already tied up in 401ks, IRAs, health savings accounts. This is my personal opinion. You want the real thing. There are going to be fees on the ETF that will eat into your returns over time, and it can be a substantial amount. And these fees are ranging from 0.2% to 1.5%. Um, it's kind of a race to the bottom to get market share, and, and some of the funds are waiving fees at the beginning. So I can post some info on that, but really it is kind of a momentous day. I know the Winklevoss twins originally did this and were denied back when Bitcoin was $100 a share. In 2013, they tried to do this. They tried to push an ETF. They filed the first one and was rejected. And the SEC has protected investors from gains of 450x. So it'll be interesting to see what the impact is. We see how it tracks throughout the rest of the year. I know Standard Chartered has put in some predictions of, you know, $200,000 Bitcoin roughly based on the assets under management and the inflows, however many billions of dollars it takes. So it'll be interesting. Uh, this is not financial advice, this is not investment advice, and you must do your own research, but uh, the ETF is kind of antithetical to Bitcoin. It's supposed to be peer-to-peer, -peer, and when you buy the ETF, it's really just an IOU. It's a claim on Bitcoin, but you cannot redeem it. And if you buy it in a brokerage account or a traditional IRA, you're going to be taxed on it, and these gains might be huge. It might create a tax bomb. So you want to be really careful with this. Um, most of them are also custodian with Coinbase. And they have become a honeypot. There's some speculation that at some point there will be a new executive order 6102, which is when FDR outlawed the ownership of gold. 
that maybe that will happen to Bitcoin. It will be easy to do with Coinbase, and they could just say, hey, give us all your Bitcoin. Or they could be hacked and mismanage it, kind of like Prime Trust Custodian did a while ago that Swan and Strike were on and, and moved off of. So yeah, who knows, but it's, it's risky, and there are better ways of doing it. Um, I've got episodes on that in the past with just self-storage, and you can do multi-sig self-storage or collaborative self-custody with companies like Swan and their vaults system or Unchained Capital. They have a vault system as well. It's a collaborative self-custody where they own one of the keys and you own two. So that's a really good way of protecting your Bitcoin long-term. Anyway, that's not really what I came on here to talk about today, although it is some of the exciting stuff. But what I really wanted to talk about today, you know, obviously price is exciting and all this stuff. And yes, I do expect the price to go up over time. Um, it's programmed to do that. I think the halving in the springtime in a couple of months is going to be a bigger event than the ETF. You know, when gold got their spot ETF, it went on an eight-year bull run and they mined so much more gold. They mined, I think, 50% more gold for a long time. And now we've got the Bitcoin ETF coming and we're going to see how much money inflows there. BlackRock and all the financial advisors are going to be selling it to get commissions and fees and assets under management. But it's actually going to get twice as scarce. So instead of increasing the supply like they did with gold, we're actually going to cut it in half. So again, we're going to see what happens when people realize the absolute scarcity of this. But speaking of gold, I was talking to one of my workout buddies a while ago. Uh, who owns a precious metal shop, and I've bought metals from him. I bought silver from him, and he even sold me a a little silver coin that had a Bitcoin logo on it, so that's kind of fun. Uh, gave me a good price on that with less spread. And me and him, we, we go back and forth on Bitcoin versus gold and some of the problems and some of the concerns that he has, and I still haven't really convinced him to get into it, but he is incentivized not to understand it, um, even though being a gold bug makes you understand it more. I think um, you just got to be willing to put in some of the work. I really think Bitcoin is an intellectual test and it's a ego test. Um, if you have intellectual humility and curiosity, and maybe you have a disregard for the Wall Street Journal and their quote unquote journalism, then you might have a chance of understanding Bitcoin and why it's important. Personally, I came for the money, but I stayed for the revolution and the freedom. So back to this discussion with one of my friends. We talked about how you have to trust someone. And the way I see it, we've got three options. Number one is you can trust the government. That does not sound like a great option. Uh, they issue money. They dilute us all the time. You can also trust the banks. And they don't have your money, by the way. Uh, they don't have to have any reserves. They do fractional reserve lending. Every bank is insolvent in America, pretty much, I believe, except for maybe Custodia Bank. So banks don't actually have your money. And you can trust Wall Street. So this I'm lumping into. Number one, just trusting the government in general and the traditional financial system. Um, Wall Street is in bed with the banks and the government. So yeah, that's your number one option. You're going to fall behind in government-issued cash and be robbed in slow motion. Your stocks and your real estate will probably go up in value as long as they keep printing fake money and as long as they can. The S&P 500 and the monetary supply have both done a 32x since 1980. But this only works for so long, according to some of the books that I'm reading, like um, When Money Dies, that talks about what happened in Germany post-World War I, I believe, and you know what caused Hitler to rise and all this economic turmoil and hyperinflation and stuff. So this only happens for so long that you can trust a government-issued currency that gets devalued and backed by so much debt. So that's your first option. 
Your second option is to trust yourself. You go off the grid. You become self-sustainable. Uh, you know, you buy a, a house and some land and a solar panel and a couple cows and chickens. Uh, you ranch, you farm, you barter and you trade. You use gold and coins and crops and bullets and animals, basically. Um, but yeah, that's that's maybe too far for most people to go and not realistic. But that is an option, in my opinion. Number three, and, and in a way it is trusting yourself, but basically trusting Bitcoin, where the incentive is not to debase anyone. There are rules that everyone has to follow, but there's no rulers. There's no one there to flip the script on you. And there's a secure, always-on, alternative financial system that's always fully reserved. It's a fully reserved digital bearer asset. So maybe my terminology is a little bit advanced for, for this a little bit, but uh, in my mind, those are the three options. And I think a combo of number two and three is probably the best. Um, always be learning those skills and, and be able to kind of be self-sufficient if things go bad, in my opinion. Uh, we've become a very soft society. And I think we need more wide range of skills and some of these old skills like gardening and stuff. So anyway, if you think that there's any other options, let me know what I'm missing. I love learning from others. I still own stocks. I still own real estate, but I've become more and more disillusioned with those over time. And I do consider Bitcoin to be insurance on the government, insurance on debt, insurance on geopolitical conflicts and things like that. But yeah, in my mind, there's not a lot of options out there. But we in the developed world and in America, we have a hard time seeing the problem. There are 250 million people in the world that deal with hyperinflation uh, defined as half of your money being eroded each year. So this is like what's happening in Argentina. Did you know in Argentina, I listened to a Planet Money episode from NPR, and they talked about how this guy that worked for Oreo company, he's working in an Oreo factory or something, and he would get quarterly raises because inflation is so bad and they're a big corporate and they're able to pay them 30% pay raises every three months to keep up with inflation of, you know, inflation is about 120% a year. So yeah, they're basically just treading water with that, but they're losing for three months at a time and then they kind of catch up and then they lose for three months at a time and try to catch up. So 250 million people are affected by hyperinflation in the world. There's 2 billion people that are unbanked in the world and because they're unbanked, they have a larger risk of theft. They are unable to run a business, potentially. They can't make or receive payments safely or easily. That's 2 billion people in the world, or 25% of the population. And there are 5.7 billion people that are living under autocracy. Why can't I pronounce this word? Autocracy, which means their lack of freedom of speech risks financial reprisal. This is what's happening we're seeing it even in the UK with politicians, banks getting shut down. We're seeing this in, uh, in different places in the European Union, in China, in India, potentially, and some of these places that are cracking down on individual freedoms and liberties. So anyway, that's why I Bitcoin. I think it's a, a way to bypass these problems that are taking a toehold here in America and some of the developing world. And it's a way to, you know, really, most of us are just, we're not dealing with hyperinflation, but we are dealing with elevated inflation. and there's all this modern monetary theory that we think it'll go away and it'll be fine. We can just manipulate money supply all the time. But I think in the last three years, we've seen it's not great and it's not working and we're not able to keep up and wages are losing over time. It's harder to buy a house. It's harder to get financing. It's, it's harder to do all of these things. So that's my take. Not financial advice. Do your own research. But I'll be buying the rumor. I'll be buying the news. I'll be buying the 
the highs and the lows just because it's a principal thing for me at this point. And uh, if it does get approved today, I hope you've been prepared and have been able to stack up a little bit before then. But uh, you're not too late. And yeah, I'll have another episode here coming out about the ETF stuff more. And I will be buying it in my HSA. I'll talk about that and what I've done in my HSA and what's happening with the miners and microstrategy and some of the other ways to get indirect exposure to Bitcoin. I'm also excited to share that in the coming weeks, I'm going to have a sponsor for the podcast, my first sponsor. And he's got a great little product that I think is really cool. And it can show people the power of Bitcoin really quick and easy. And um, more details to come on that later. So with that, and I will be running Bitcoin and I'll be back with you soon.